Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't the best sport and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will Good evening, good evening. Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. I am Wags and joining me as always is Dane and uh we are live tonight, uh, multi-streaming here um, on IG. Dane, you uh, got your computer showing. You got to reverse your uh, camera angle there on your phone, buddy. Uh, but uh, also live on Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, of course, our YouTube channel. So, folks, tonight we get to talk about undrafted free agents. Um, this is one of our favorite podcasts every year, and we're so excited we're going to do it in two parts. So. Tonight, we're going to focus on the offensive guys the Packers added through undrafted free agency. Uh, but before we do that, um, Dane, you're also muted, by the way. Um, how are you doing this evening and um, coming off a nice weekend, Dane, here in Wisconsin? Great, buddy. Uh, happy Monday night, everybody. We're recording live here, uh, Monday, May 8th and, uh, doing great, man. It's, uh, it was fun to have some Packer football going on over the weekend with mini camp and things are just going great. So, um, happy to, to be on, happy to join you and happy to talk Packer football, man. It feels like we're getting closer and closer now. We're starting to get a sense of what this team's going to look like. Obviously, um, there's a long way to go between now and the 53, but man, it's, it, I feel like we're seeing a direction of where this organization wants to go. And that's something that even two months ago wasn't quite clear yet. Now we have a direction. I love knowing what the plan is. So I'm doing great. I hope everybody's doing great out there. Uh, all you legends out there, Lombardi's legends. It's, it's just, it's, it's a joy to do this tonight. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of rookie orientation, I think we can start there. It sounds like. Uh, it was a really productive um, uh, weekend for the Packers and their rookies. Uh, obviously, 13 players in the draft class. Um, we had 12 undrafted free agents, um, 35 total minicamp participants, um, as there was some um, uh, tryout players invited to participate as well. Um, and by all accounts, just super high energy. Uh, Coach LaFleur was really excited and said he had to tell some of those guys to slow down a few times, which is, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I guess it depends on uh, from the coaching staff perspective. I know they want to get a full evaluation. They're not in pads and, and really uh, making it through these types of sessions uh, with full health for all of these guys as well. So um, Dane, it, it was nice to be able to get some pictures, uh, a little, some snippets out there for all of you, Fans uh, that are just starving for some football uh, with some of these guys uh, going into practice and, and getting a first look at some of these rookies that we've been so anxious to, we've been talking about, we've been hearing about. Uh, but um, uh, any anything that stood out to you over the weekend in terms of the news that um, they went through those walkthroughs on Friday and Saturday? Yeah, I mean, just just kind of taking a look at who was there. It's good to see the young guys out there, and um, you know, it's I love seeing Lucas Van Ness out there, right? I mean, um, just looking at at it, it seemed like you're right. I mean, this is going to be a youthful football team. This is going to be a team that's maybe not professionally as experienced as maybe some Packer teams. 
Um, but there's a ton of talent on this roster, Wes. And um, all of a sudden, and I, folks, I'm going to just out myself a little bit here. I think a couple months back, I was kind of down a little bit um, internally about the, the team. I was thinking, you know, it's a time where the Packers are maybe looking at what's next and some of that. All of a sudden, I'm seeing the direction that this Packers team could potentially go. And it starts, um, obviously, with some of the veterans, but um, even down to this, and I don't want to say down, over to this rookie class and these undrafted guys and everybody across the board. And I started to go, man, this roster has a ton of talent on it. This is a defense that has a lot of veteran leadership on it. And this is an offense that has guys that maybe don't have 10 years in the league, but have just, they're explosive. They're more explosive than I can remember being. So my, my overall impression was just, it was great to see some fresh faces on this offense in particular. Um, it was great to hear that they were competitive already. This is a team that's going to be, yes, young, but exceedingly hungry. I think there's no doubt about it. And that's why I love talking about the the draft, but also undrafted free agents like we're going to do today. A lot of folks like to gloss over, you know, the undrafted class, but Wags, um, here's a little secret that I think Packer fans probably already know. The Packers have kept a, a guy um, uh, on the 53 that was undrafted um, uh, for 18 straight years. I had to re-look at that. I had to rub my eyes. 18 years in a row, an undrafted free agent has made the initial 53-man roster for the Packers. Um, as the season progresses, ton more of those guys probably find their way back to the roster from the practice squad. So this is a team that doesn't care so much about pedigree. They care about guys that come out and work their tails off. I know Matt LaFleur, Goody, and others are like that. So I love talking about this, Wags, because, yeah, um, maybe they don't have the pedigree, but, damn, if they're good football players, you can bet the Packers want to find a way to get them on the roster. For sure. And with the expanded practice squad the last few seasons, that's afforded even more opportunities. So this isn't something that's exclusive to the Packers, certainly, but uh, I think they are one of the teams in the NFL that has made a name for themselves uh, with a lot of agents out there. Uh, hey, our, and GM Gutekind talked about it, you know, yes, there's the money uh, part of it because these guys can get different levels of, of signing bonuses. But the, the first question is always, is my guy going to get a, an actual chance to compete and make this roster or at least uh, make the practice squad? Many of those guys that you mentioned, um, I, we don't have to go back and, and look at all 18 years, um, are guys that made the practice squad their rookie year. Uh, as undrafted free agents. And then in their second year, they made the 53-man roster. But there's been plenty of rookie undrafted free agents over the years that have made the initial 53-man roster as well. So, um, it, you know, there are folks out there that kind of look at us like, really, you're going to dedicate a couple episodes to undrafted free agent signings? Um, well, guess what? Like you said, every year, there's at least one, two, three, four of these guys that um, at some point over their first season contribute or even if not that first year, um, you start hearing more and more rumblings uh, from the coaching staff, and they come in in year two, and, and they're really competing for a spot on that 53-man roster. So, um, And we've got a number of these guys on the pot over the years since we've been doing this, and they're guys that maybe fans out there aren't as well acquainted with, but we find out what they're all about, and um, a lot of these guys are just hungrier, and they're going to do anything it takes. And it doesn't work out for every one of them, uh, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, there's always going to be a couple that are going to stand out. 
and uh, live their dream uh, to make that roster. And, and a lot of these guys end up having very, very productive NFL careers, um, whether with the Packers or even if they move on to other opportunities as they progress through their careers. So, um, yeah, Dane, it's, it's, it's super exciting to, so why don't with that, why don't we dive into this? Uh, as I said at the top, we're going to start with the offensive guys tonight for tonight's episode. And just to give everyone out there a little bit of an extra familiarity, um, we've got their scouting report. So Dane, I'm going to tee you up with each of these guys. And, and what we're going to do is Dane is going to, highlight a couple of strengths and a couple of weaknesses from each of these guys' scouting reports based on his research and what really stands out to him. Um, and then we'll give a, a little bit of extra insight and reaction to, to that as well for each of these guys. So, Dan, I think we're going to start with the skill position, guys, since that's what everybody always wants to dive into. So um, starting out, let's start with uh, Malik Keith, um, wide receiver out of Ole Miss, um, started his career at Mississippi State, transferred to Ole Miss, played there, um, and um, I, I think certainly is a guy that was very productive, actually. Uh, his teammate was drafted in the second round as a wide receiver, uh, but uh, perhaps uh, as you look at his scouting report, um, his measurables, maybe it didn't go as well. He was actually invited to the NFL Combine, uh, but Dane, can you give us a little scouting report strengths, uh, maybe some weaknesses that are on the scouting report? here from Malik Keith, and, and then we can get a little bit of extra reaction on him as well. Absolutely, and uh, just want to give some love um, right away to uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com, where um, they're super helpful with their scouting reports every year. Um, yet again, this year, they do a really good job. So um, you said it, Wags. Um, Malik Keith comes to Green Bay, um, a guy who played at a couple different locations but ended his career at Mississippi State. And um, from a scouting report standpoint, um, I'll just I'll just put it right away. Uh, he's exceedingly versatile, and what they say, he's a versatile weapon, and um, he's been able to play inside in the slot, outside on the perimeter. Um, that's obviously something that's going to pop for the Packers. Uh, also, he's somebody that's been able to get open. Uh, across the board in his career. He's been able to, um, you know, be able to, to, um, the quarterback can put the ball different spots and Malik's been able to come down with the ball. Um, now they, they, they talk about some of the weaknesses and they talk about his, um, less than ideal size, um, according to a scouting report. And they say that his playing speed's good, but it's, um, it's below elite level. Um, so that's the scouting report or at least a, a snapshot on it. But Wags, um, I'm just going to hop right in on this. Um, Wide receiver for the Packers right now is it's it's open competition. I would argue that there's three guaranteed roster spots right now um, that that three guys that are locked to make this Packers team uh, a wide receiver. And that's Romeo Dobbs, it's Christian Watson, and it's Jaden Reed. After that, I would say honorable mention is Samari Torre. I think he's definitely got an inside track. He popped last year, but I, I, I can't say he's an absolute lock yet, right? I think he's going to camp and he's going to battle with a ton of draft, other draft picks that have come in, but also somebody like Emily Keith and Weggs. He fits the prototype of what the Packers like out of wide receiver. Dude's six foot two. Dude's 213 pounds. He's a bigger wide receiver. Um, and, and he's a guy, you know, he runs a four six forty. 
And you've got to just, you know, the Packers, if anybody watches the Packers, if you're watching this podcast or listening, you like the Packers, um, know that the Packers love versatility. So I think that really what sticks out to, uh, to me about Malik Keith is the fact that he can, in fact, play inside, can play outside, um, gives the Packers a lot of options, especially as they continue to look to, um, to, um, add to, you know, try to find their next slot receiver. That can, can consistently play there. If Malik can play inside and outside, you've got to think that the Packers coaching staff is paying attention to that. Yeah, um, I, I think when you talk about Heath, it's a guy that was projected as a, a mid day three pick, and unfortunately, his um, you know his forty and, and his three cone shuttle time uh, were not as good as I'm sure he would have liked at the combine. Um, so he slid all the way down in undrafted free agent territory, but. Uh, thing that stands out to me is he's got great hands and luckily there's more ways to get separation in the NFL. And I would argue maybe it's of equal or more importance than just straight line speed. Um, and so he's got a really nice ability to create separation, uh, using the traits that he has. He's got those long arms and that, that size, that height that you mentioned to create leverage uh, against the cornerbacks that he's lined up against. Um, and he's got a wiggle. Uh, so I, I think he's someone that can create a target when he gives the opportunities, uh, nice route running. And so, uh, certainly someone that I think, uh, will get a look, as you said, um, reminds me a lot, dare I say, of Alan Lazard, just in terms of the size and speed, uh, prototype. Um, and so, you know, may not come in as a burner, might, might spend time on the practice squad. Uh, this year, but I'll be anxious to see what he can do. If he really pops coming into camp, uh, as you said, there's, there's no spots set in stone, uh, at this, with this wide receiver group. So I think any of these guys, in addition to all the, the drafted guys in the wide receiver room that we added uh, are going to really be in a strong competition, um, uh, for sure. So Dane, that leads me to our other undrafted free agent signing at wide receiver, Deuce Watts, uh, for out of Tulane. Uh, and, uh, so I think a, a little bit of a lesser known guy, I, it certainly was someone that was projected to go undrafted. Uh, but, uh, Dane, first thing that pops out to me is his ability to just come down with the football. Um, uh, so I, I'll let you hit, uh, some of the strengths and weaknesses that are highlighted on the scouting report that stood out to you. Uh, but, uh, just know we're talking about a guy that, um, you know, even without some of that separation, from a speed standpoint, uh, just seems to know, have a nose for going up and, and grabbing the football uh, in space and in traffic. So um, that's that's a football skill. Um, and sometimes we fall in love with uh, track and field skills uh, with some of these guys. But um, I, I, I think that's certainly something that stood out to me when I was reading up and, and doing some research on on Deuce Watts out of Tulane. So I hand it over to you, Dane. What are, what are some of the things that stand out to you on the scouting report. Yeah, Wags, and take a look at the chat. I'm loving the chat tonight, guys. I haven't had a chance to comment yet, but it's awesome. Um, so um, Deuce Watts, uh, he's sneaking. First of all, I'm just going to kick it off with this, guys and gals that are watching, listening. Um, he grew up a Packer fan, is my understanding. That's what I'm reading. He's a guy who his favorite team is the Packers. So instantly – Gotta love us some Deuce Watts on that end. But um, scouting report says it all. I mean, he's tall and he's got very, very long arms. He's another six foot two plus 
wide receiver. We all know the Packers love that kind of size. He's a, he's a, um, you know, closer to 190 pounds, I would say, but his catch radius is, is massive. And again, the scouting report says that as well. And, um, you know, they, they keep mentioning it in his scouting report, his long arms. Um, he's able to stiff arm defenders. Uh, he's somebody that lowers his pads, runs through tackles for extra yardage. He goes over the middle. They say he spins out of tackles and he can take a big hit. Hmm. Sounds like a Green Bay Packer wide receiver to me. Um, so those are some of the strengths. And again, uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com um, say that um, currently his route tree is a little bit more limited. That's from more of a weakness standpoint. Um, and also they said that sometimes it's high pointing. Um, it has some inconsistencies. Um, Wags, when I hear that, those sound coachable to me. And that's what makes me excited about somebody like a Deuce Watts is um, he has some of those intangibles, particularly he's, a, he's an aggressive wide receiver that's physical. This, this Packer offense this year, this ain't the 2010, 2011 Packer offense that where they're just going to be chucking the whole game. They're going to expect their wide receivers. We've seen it over the years with Matt LaFleur. They're going to expect their wide receivers to block. They're going to be looking for guys that are gritty, that aren't afraid to, um, you know, um, get, get their, their face mask dirty a little bit. And Deuce Watts is that kind of wide receiver. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, he's been, um, productive as a receiver, but I think he still has a ton of room to grow. And every single time I see a guy from a small er school, Tulane, certainly not the size of an Alabama or an Arkansas or any of these SEC schools. Um, I actually, sometimes they stick out to me more. They seem to sometimes be professionally a little grittier, uh, a little more gnarly uh, at the point of attack. So Deuce Watts, wide receiver, coming into Green Bay. His name's Deuce. He wears 2-2 as the jersey. You got to love it. So pay attention to Deuce Watts. Um, again, competitive wide receiver room wags. Uh, and um, in a competitive wide receiver room, I think they're going to keep six probably wide outs on the 53, but there's going to be a couple more on the practice squad. I think I think that Deuce is going to be right in the middle of the mix once training camp starts. Yeah, for sure. So, um, thank you for that, Dan. And it is, it is certainly something that you always have to be looking for with these guys is what, what are they willing to do, um, to, to make this roster? He's also someone that I saw played a lot of special teams in his time at Tulane. And that's critical for anyone that is going to be trying to take the route that he is to, to attempt to try to make this 53 man roster, um, was both a gunner, uh, was a return man. Um, so he's been a primary, uh, special team participant over the course of his college career. Uh, and certainly is going to be something that you'll need to be able to excel at to compete, uh, to make us, uh, to have a shot to make this roster, uh, in Green Bay. So. Wonderful stuff. Dane, let's move over to the tight ends. Um, I'm going to start with Henry Pearson, technically listed as a fullback um, on Packers.com on the roster. Played tight end at Appalachian State. Um, really nice program. Um, so what can you tell us about Henry Pearson and a, a little bit of his background and, and what you're seeing on his scouting report? Sure. So Henry Pearson, tight end at Appalachian State, but um, he's coming into Green Bay. We see him listed as a fullback already. 
um, which actually is fascinating on a couple levels, I think, as a Packer fan. I mean, the first level is just that's where they project him to being is more of a fullback. But second of all, what does that say about what this offense could potentially look like in that first year of Jordan Love? Josiah DeGuara continues to be listed as more of a tight end, even though he's played some in the backfield. All of a sudden, we're sitting here, we bring in a, a Henry Pearson, who's going to be identifying as a tight, uh, excuse me, as a fullback exclusively. It's just an interesting potential wrinkle. Um, we saw, I thought, last year when this Packer offense um, utilized DeGuara in the backfield as a fullback. Uh, I thought that they were able to move the the, the uh, line of scrimmage exceedingly well. So um, just something interesting to pay attention to. Now, um, we're going to draftscout.com for Henry Pearson. And I think that what really sticks out for him, um, I think one of the, the detractors, according to them, is his speed. He's, he's more of a 4840 guy. He's a much larger guy, though. He's We're talking a 250-pound, 6'2", fullback. So this... This is a big guy uh, potentially that's going to be able to, um, you know, really clear out that offense. Or excuse me, the that front line of the defense maybe pick up a linebacker. Um, but uh, on more in the positive side, he's just productive. Wags. I, he comes out with um, one of the more um, better overall blocking grades according to Pro Football Focus, uh, and he was a big, big part of the running game there at Appalachian State as well. Um, so, you know, I, I'm curious your take on Henry Pearson as well, and if you think maybe this tips the Packers' hand a little bit about offensively, but, um, you know, I want to see what number 44 does uh, here for the Packers going into camp. He seems like a guy that could be helpful on special teams, as any undrafted guy would have to be if they make the 53, but also somebody that could add another potential wrinkle and maybe push Josiah DeGuar a little bit more as well. We saw DeGuar, I thought last year, be really, really um, successful when they utilized him out of the backfield, but kind of curious to see what Henry Pearson brings and what he adds to this roster, but very, very excited to see what he can do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think he certainly, first of all, adds a lot of uh, depth to the room. I, I think he's, he's still going to be working with tight ends regardless of what position they list him at. Um, reminds me a lot of Dominic Daphne, not necessarily in terms of his, his size prototype, but, um, in, in potentially how he might be used. Uh, certainly Dominic Daphne was someone that came in and, uh, was really productive in limited snaps. He came in after camp, uh, when Packers signed him, was on the practice squad for a little over a month and then was able to be elevated for, uh, almost a full second half of the year, two seasons ago. Unfortunately, he just had a few too many injuries, uh, that sort of derailed his ability to stick on this 53 man roster. Otherwise, I think he could have stuck around a little bit. Um, but, to me, this, that's kind of the role that I, I see Henry Pearson potentially filling is if he can come in and show, uh, the coaching staff that he has the ability to take on some of those looks and, and some of those packages that they might, uh, want a, a, an extra tight end, not necessarily in line on the line of scrimmage, uh, but, um, going in motion or in the line or, or lining up behind the line of scrimmage, um, that, can cause some problems. I, I think his ability to block at the second level is, is really nice. Um, so that's what you like to see when you've got a guy that's going to have to chase down and, and get around the corner and throw that lead block. It's not just about lining up against a guy that's straight across from you. 
um, you're going to have to time everything up pretty well. And I think that's something that stands out with Henry. Um, it's exciting to think about a guy of his size, uh, lead blocking, uh, when we really just want to move the pile. And uh, we've got AJ Dillon out there and, and we're just trying to get five yards. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't project Henry to come in and start earning a ton of snap in his rookie season. He's got to make the roster first, but perhaps he's someone that, um, on a practice squad could get one of, the, uh, could get a couple game day call ups, uh, over the course of the season, matchup specific, um, if they like what they see from him. So, uh, certainly something I, I think to keep an eye on, um, potentially as they also are trying to build depth in that tight end room. So again, even though listed at fullback, I see Henry as, as kind of fulfilling more of that H back, uh, role potentially. Um, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Um, so Dane, um, let's keep in the tight end spot then, um, and moving over to, um, undrafted free agent out of Florida State, Cameron McDonald, uh, is another tight end that the Packers picked up. Um, Cameron, I think, is someone that as a, a, a receiver, uh, particularly has a lot of skill set. Um, most, most of the reason why he slid and was not a drafted player, just a little bit undersized, uh, as a tight end. Um, he's, he's six four, so he's got the height, but he's really slender frame. He's only 244 pounds. So, um, it, it sounds like that would be the biggest concern is, is he able to actually maintain blocks? at the NFL level. So uh, this is a guy that Packers are going to take a look at and see, can they add weight to his frame? Um, that's going to be critical for him to be able to play at this level. But uh, Dane, beyond that and the size concerns, what, what are some of the things that stand out to you when you're looking at Cameron's uh, scouting report? Yeah. And Wags, that's what really stuck out to me is, on this is normally these scouting reports can be pretty nitpicky as far as I'm concerned. And with Cameron McDonald, a huge issue that they seem to have is more size-based than um, the football player or the athlete. And that really sticks out to me. And that plays in a, a positive role. And I think we'll probably talk about big dog Mercedes Lewis and some of that news that came out at the tail end of this podcast. But um what we do know is that there's going to be some massive competition uh, at, at tight end. We know we, we spent some high draft capital on a couple of guys um, early uh, this year in the draft, and we've got some guys coming back as well. But um, Cameron McDonald, Weds, he what what he lacks potentially in size currently, he makes up for in um, how quickly he gets off the ball. And that's one of the strengths that the scouting report shows is just um, how quickly off the snap he is. And he, he, he's really good with leverage. He, he comes off, he's, um, you know, he, he comes off low. Um, I think that um, he's somebody that maybe didn't get the targets um, where he played in college at Florida State that I think that he potentially could be capable of getting. I think he might have been limited a little bit by that Florida State offense, I guess is a better way to put it, um, in the sense that I think they ran the ball an awful lot. And and here's the thing. They talk about his weakness as a blocker potentially, but he held his own in an offense that ran the ball an awful lot. So let's see what Cameron McDonald can do when he gets to camp. But I'm very high on this. Um, I was going to say pick because I feel like he's more of a draft pick um, than an undrafted guy. But if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the 
30 visits that the Packers were allotted. They brought him in. Um, no surprise that he wowed them when he visited in Green Bay before camp. So really want to keep an eye on, on Cameron McDonald Weggs because I think that he could be sneaky good off the line of scrimmage catching footballs and being another target for Jordan Love at some point in 2023. Yeah, for sure. That's great stuff, Dan. And you always got to be excited about some, excuse me, about someone like him with that seems to have all of the intangibles and the the potential skill and talent as a football player, uh, but just needs to add that NFL size. So um, certainly he's had, you know, years at Florida State and is a really good school to be able to do that. Um, so we'll see if he's able to add size to his frame, but um, certainly could be someone that Packers stash on the practice squad and, and with some potential. Um, probably more so down the road than, uh, right off, right off the bat this season. So, Dane, let's shift then, uh, to the big guys up front. Packers did not draft any offensive linemen this year for the first time in, I can't what? remember how long. Are, are uh, they feeling how- okay? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they, they really like the guys that they're bringing back and, and for good reason, I think, especially if they can get fully healthy up front, but, um, we're able to snag a couple guys in the undrafted free agent class. And let's start with Chuck Filianga. And I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, Chuck, if you're out there. Um, but he, uh, you know, uh, was spent his entire career, um, until this last season at the University of Michigan, got some starts, was mostly in a backup role, um, transferred to Minnesota, started all 13 games here this last season. And uh, now the Packers snag him, uh, projects to play inside at guard. So, Dane, what can you tell us about Chuck and, and what stands out to him on scouting report uh, from what you've seen with him? Yeah. Um, so, Wags, first of all, phenomenal pronunciation of Filiana. Filiana. We're going to ask Chuck. We're going to find out, making sure we're saying it right. But, um, but um, you know, so, again, I'm going to credit draft scout draftscout.com for this one. We're kind of going between a couple of different scouting reports. Um, just full disclosure, trying to find the best, most up-to-date information we can um, on, on these guys. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, for, from Chuck's perspective, I think the downside or, or some of the, the negatives, allegedly, that they're saying um, with him is I think he's had some trouble um, getting some reach blocks down um, and and getting um, you know being able to cut across and and, and kind of reach out to the tackle um, maybe at times plays a little bit flat footed although I've watched a little bit of video on him wags and I I don't totally agree with that at least from the stuff that I've seen um, I love his size he's a six foot six three hundred and you know twenty something pound dude um, and you know he, he comes from really good programs. Michigan, hell of a program. Minnesota, an up-and-coming program to a large degree, I think, and that pains me to say that. I was a Wisconsin Badger fan. Um, but he plays the interior wags, and every year, if the Packers take an offensive lineman late in the draft or there's an undrafted guy that comes in, you have to pay attention to them. Um, I think of, I think going back to Lucas Patrick, if folks remember Lucas Patrick, he's now a Chicago Bear, but he was a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, was undrafted. He may have even been a camp tryout guy that came in after the, the initial wave of undrafted. And he was able to not only earn a roster spot, 
but end up starting a number of games and be really, really good for this Packers team for a number of years. Chuck has that ability, right? I'll just say it right away. I think he's he's really, really good football player at the point of attack. He's a mauler. He uses his hands well. Um, he gets under the pad level. So um Packers um know how to find offensive linemen uh in the draft. I imagine and after the draft, I imagine a lot of teams when the Packers sign an undrafted free agent offensive lineman, they go, damn. Now I wish we would have gotten that guy. And I think that Chuck probably falls in line with that. So um plays of the Big Ten. Um and and you know, he he's been a battler um in his career. I believe he's played some tackle as well, or at least has a possibility, meaning that of course the Packers love that flexibility across the offensive line. So let's pay attention to what he's able to do going in. Nothing's going to be handed to him. You mentioned we've spent a ton of draft capital on the offensive line over the last few years, but they're bringing him in to compete. And I promise you, he's going to do that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it. That was going to be one of the other things I was going to comment on. Uh, two programs in, in college football that are known for being hard nosed and like to set the tone running the football. So it all starts there. And, um, I think if, if that is something that's innate in his ability to be a little nasty in the run game, um, love the Lucas Patrick comparison and call out. Uh, boy, if we could get another Lucas Patrick on our hands, um, I, I think he could be in line for some opportunities, despite all of the incumbents that we have in that uh, offensive line room. So, Dane, last but not least, let's uh, highlight Kadeem Telford, um, offensive lineman, um, primarily left tackle out of UAB, played a lot of left tackle in his college career. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience. Uh, Right off the bat, just something that stands out to me, and I think the easy comparison to make um, is, is going to be with Yash Nyman because this guy is huge, 6'8", 320, um, maybe a, a little bit of, of raw skill uh, coming out of college and part of the reason why he won undrafted. But we've had a couple of these guys that the Packers have looked at, and obviously Yash has, has shown that he's he was a, one of their long-term success stories and, and certainly all the credit to Yash, but um, this is a kind of a prototype now that the Packers seem to to really be looking for in this uh, either late in the draft or undrafted free agency process uh, with uh, these offensive tackles. So, uh, Dane, what can you tell us specifically about Kadeem Telfort, um, what stands out in terms of his scouting report, and um, is that comparison apt, and is that something that uh, we could be looking at in terms of uh, the next offensive line uh, prospect and project uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Legs, you took the words out. of You really did. Um, you took it out. I thought when I saw some of the um, comparisons with K- with Kadeem Telford, or at least some of the scouting report, I thought Yash Nyman, and then I thought Caleb Jones. Right. And that's kind of, and that's, I think last year we went, oh, Caleb Jones kind of reminds us of Yash Nyman. So you're spot on, Wags, that the Packers have a type at offensive tackle. Um, and they like big guys. They like athletic guys. I mean, Kadeem Telford, he, he's coming in at six foot eight. He's a towering presence at offensive line. Um, the scouting report going back to NFLDraftBuzz.com. Um, right now they're saying that sometimes he's uh, been too focused on winning with his hands. 
and and he's been stopping his feet a little bit, which frankly is natural, I think, at times uh, as an offensive tackle. And um, he's been having some difficulty um, with with some of the um, um, good counter moves that come up. And these pass rushes in the NFL have a million of those. So I imagine that, you know, those are some of the negatives that this scouting report saw. But I'll tell you what, Wags. I really am keying in on these positives right now. Um, and he is a power blocker. And they said a solid fit for a power blocking team looking to load up on offensive line with physical tone setters. You just mentioned tone setting with the previous um, undrafted. I mean, we're, we're talking now about Kadeem Telford, and he's another guy, Wags, that I think that he can just ball. He can maul dudes. He's big. He's physical. He's extremely, extremely strong. And I think he could be a really good pass protector at this next level at the NFL. He projects to be an offensive lineman uh, at the offensive tackle position, I think, in the NFL. But I think he could play right tackle or left tackle in this league. And he's going to be competing with some other young guys. The question I think here. Uh, becomes um, with how good Yash Nyman has been, is this there going to be space for Caleb Jones and Kadeem Telford? Are they kind of battling for one spot? Um, you know, what does this offensive line, how does it shake out? But I think that Kadeem Telford has the ability to um, be a really, really um, interesting um, player and personnel piece for this Packers offensive line. I, I'll tell you what, I don't think that he is – um, and I, you can say this about any undrafted guy, but I don't think he's plug and play ready at this point in his career, but a uh, duh, right? Undrafted guy, you wouldn't expect that. But I do think that with some time, uh, the Packers could really, really, um, you know, work with him and they could find a way to, to, um, have a really mutually beneficial relationship with this organization. Uh, so I instantly wouldn't be surprised if Telford ends up on the practice squad. And that's my initial reaction without ever seeing him in green gold pads. He just seems like the kind of guy that the Packers would love to mold and work with over the next eight to 10 months, get him in the strength program in Green Bay, work on his technique a little bit and watch him blossom. Because, you know, oftentimes it's not what have you done yet? It's it's what do you think they can do? And I think Kadeem Telford is just scratching the surface as far as ability is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. That's great stuff, Dane. And, um, you know, it's really exciting to think about the Packers having not only that prototype, but that that progression. Um, so we talked about Yash Nyman and Caleb Jones came in and he's kind of made some of that progression. Now we'll see if he's able to continue that progression and get to the level that Yash has been able to put himself into as a starting offensive lineman in this league. Uh, but he's on that trajectory and we've got kind of the blueprint in Green Bay for how to make that happen as long as the guys kind of follow the plan and, and do their part. So um, could Telport be the next one to kind of create a pipeline uh, for that prototype with kind of exciting prospect to think about for sure. So, Dane, um, I think just to wrap up, you know, I just want to go back to something you mentioned at the top. We've had uh, a lot of turnover on this roster, and it's obviously a lot is uh, paid attention to at the quarterback position, but um, what's, what's something that really stood out to me as I was just looking at this roster as a whole, Dean, we've got three guys over the age of 30 on this entire roster that's wow. including the main primary 53 man roster. In addition to obviously all these rookies are, are, are very young, but, um, it, that's a crazy thing to me. Pat O'Donnell, uh, our punter 
It's the oldest player on the roster at age 32. So it's not just Aaron Rodgers moving on. And, and look, we know Aaron can still play in this league. Uh, but, you know, Mercedes Lewis, news comes out that he's not going to be uh, coming back to Green Bay more than likely. Uh, Randall Cobb is someone that's going to be moving on. The Packers are do not, not going to have him in the plans. All, all guys that, you know, we really enjoyed watching and rooting for uh, in their time with the Packers. But fact of the matter is, I think this was, I don't know that it was a really old roster last year, but this went from maybe an aging roster to a, a very, very young roster in a, in a hurry. And so I think, um, even with that, as you said, we've got a lot of experience, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but all of these guys are young and, and kind of in that prime age, uh, either entering prime or, you know, maybe just exiting prime. So, um, really exciting stuff. But Dane, I, I just was wondering if you have any comments as, as we look at the overall makeup of this roster. Um, and, and just the fact that the Packers have gotten so much younger, um, since the end of last season. They are, they're younger, um, but with so much talent at the spots where they're youthful. I mean, I look at, Obviously, we'll find out with Jordan, but we're, we, we expect really good things from Jordan Love. Um, but let's talk about this wide receiver room right away. Wanks. They're so explosive. They're fast. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago where we're going, man, where's the speed going to come from, uh, in the wide receiver room? And that's not a slight on the guys that were in Green Bay. It was just, you know, that wasn't what they do. All of a sudden I look and across the board, it's like these guys fly. And I keep, I mentioned, I think I'm going to mention it every podcast, probably Bo Melton's like a four, three, seven dude, dude absolutely flies. And he was a seventh round guy in Seattle. We poached him off the practice squad. I think that people's jaws are going to drop when that guy runs and he's what, 23, 22. I mean, these guys are all so young, what they lack in experience in NFL experience, they're going to make for uh, up for an athleticism. This is an offense in particular. I'm going to cue in on this offense when that I think, um, of course, there's going to be growing pains. There's always, it's natural. There's going to be some, you know, some of that. But the offensive line is stable right now, knock on wood, always. But this is an offensive line that has a lot of talent. I think they're going to give Jordan the time to throw the ball. I think they're going to be able to make um, uh, some really strong holes for for AJ and, and Aaron Jones and others, right? Pat Taylor, whoever else is running that football. Um, but these wide receivers are now have the ability and these tight ends, these pass catchers overall to help Jordan Love grow. Um, we're going to watch Jordan Love grow with these young pass catchers. And I think that's truly the plan. Um, I was worried and there's all this talk. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? I don't care what name you call it. Right now, there's a lot of fresh faces on the offense. I think 2023 20, uh, is the year where they're going to play. They're going to learn. But Wags, they're going to compete. This is a competitive bunch that is an exciting bunch. We're going to watch an exciting brand of football, uh, defensively certainly, but offensively as well. And that's really my takeaway after this draft. They have a plan. The front office has a plan in place. I'm excited to see what Coach LaFleur does with this offense. This, to me, feels like the first time we're actually going to see what he wants to do fully with this offense. And let's see how the chips fall from there. But we know we've got talent. We know we have explosive talent on this side. Yes, I'm going to miss Mercedes Lewis. He was awesome. He'd be a great mentor. But 
the Packers are saying, you know what? We just spent a bunch of draft capital. It's time to sink or swim. That's what the coaches are for. And I respect that. And, and I wonder if 2023, that's a little tough. But if we're talking 2024 going, damn, I'm glad we got the snaps out of these young guys that we did in 2023. And that's what I'm expecting out of this roster. Yeah, for sure. And Dane, uh, last thing I am going to mention is um, I just want to wish Jack Coco well. Uh, long snapper all season for the Packers last year. And um, we, we don't mention every roster move that gets made, but Jack um, was gracious enough last year to come on our podcast and he won the long snapping job uh, going into camp. Great story. Great guy, great family. Uh, his, his, his old man, Ed, uh, just, uh, says super supportive follower, uh, of Jack. And, and so I'm hoping, and the writing was on the wall. The Packers used some limited resources to sign it, to give Matt Orzik a three year contract at Long Snapper. Um, so uh, honestly, I'm hopeful for Jack's ca- uh, case that this is one of those things where, uh, this gives him a, a longer, uh, time frame to find an opportunity to compete and perhaps win a job somewhere else uh, in the league because uh, I think he had a, a nice season with the Packers. Unfortunately, they decided to go a different direction, but um, just wanted to give Jack a, a special shout out. Uh, he's been so gracious and, and kind and in connecting with us. So I uh, want to wish him best wishes uh, in his career and whatever opportunity he has moving forward as well. Thanks for saying that, Wags. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll just add that I feel like he's already won, right? He's a guy that what talk about like a, um, a long shot to make a roster. He was one of those camp guys last year um, that, that came in rookie minicamp earned a spot to just try out with the team. He didn't have massive long snap. He's not one of those guys that was long snapping, you know, forever. You can go back to our podcast about a story. It's a remarkable story, but he's one of those guys with that family, that core, his values, his hardworking demeanor, dude already won. Whatever he does next, he's going to be successful. And you said it. We don't say this about every guy all the time. We can't comment on every roster spot. Awesome guy, though. Love Jack Coco. So we wish him well. And thanks for everything, Jack. Yep, absolutely. So, Dane, anything else that you wanted to uh, mention before we sign off here this evening? No, I mean, this is fun. I love talking undrafted. I can't, but we talked 45 minutes about six undrafted free agent swags. Um, that, that's what we do here on Lombardi's Legends podcast. We're going to be coming back early next week. And I think we're going to be talking about the defensive undrafted free agents. There's a couple more. Uh, they've been adding guys even today, uh, to the defensive side undrafted. So really looking forward to that conversation and having folks back here. And of course, if you're watching live, Please subscribe. Please, um, you know, follow our, our podcast. We, you know, a lot of y'all are listening to the podcast, not the live channel. We don't care how you listen. We just love that you listen on Insta or Facebook or Twitter or Spotify or Apple, whatever. So please subscribe, like, share, uh, comment. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Wags Packer football is one day closer. Absolutely. So folks be legendary and go pack. Go pack Every year I know we gonna go hard We been that team ever since Bart Starr All my cheese heads go pack go Ain't show with no mercy cutting no slack no I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave it with your good luck Only thing I will say